What up, world? It's your pass first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Lockdown Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's draft night in America, or at least in the NBA. And your Portland Trailblazers had one selection in the draft. What do they do with it? With the 25th pick in the 2019 NBA draft, the Portland Trailblazers select Nasir Little from the University of North Carolina. That's right, dear listeners. The Blazers did your boy a solid, and they drafted a basketball player from a college that he has watched a whole bunch of. I've spent the last week joking about how I don't watch college basketball except for Carolina. Well, luckily Nasir went to Carolina. I've seen him play all 36 of his college games, many of them a couple times on DVR because that's the kind of fan I am. There's plenty of other places you can go to find deeper, more in-depth NBA draft sort of draft Knicks, draft experts breaking down this pick. Check those out. It's good to get a lot of information. But if nothing else, I've seen Nas play a ton of times and I have a lot of opinions about him. I'm going to share those with you. I'm also going to share some solutions how I think the draft could be slightly improved. And then during the middle of the draft, somewhere out of no... Out of nowhere, really, out of the ESPN's weird news cycle, Damian Lillard dropped a rap diss track. We will get to the rap diss track because, listen, um, it, it's, uh, it's, it's truly, truly bizarre Thursday evening here. But first, we're going to do two segments on the draft, a lot about Nas Little. Let's start with what I can tell you about him. First, the raw numbers. You guys can find these anywhere, but you're going to hear me read them to you anyways. In 36 games... Zero starts, came off the bench every single game as a freshman at Carolina. They had better players in front of him in the front court. I think it's kind of a myth that if he was really good, he would have started over those players. Like just There were seniors ahead of him, seniors who'd won. One had won a national championship, another who'd been a part of a very good team the previous season who was drafted ahead of Nas and Cam Johnson, who went 11th. Like... I think it's kind of a myth that if Nas was really good, he would have won a starting. He would have won a starting spot. He probably would have played more. But this idea that he was that he was like lost out to these guys that he's not as good as I think is kind of a, a myth perpetuated by people who didn't watch as many Carolina games as me. Luckily, Chapel Hill born and bred, right here, go Tar Heels. So he played 18 minutes a game, 36 games off the bench, average 9.8 points, 4.6 rebounds. Didn't really shoot it well from three, under, under, under 27%, 53% from the floor, didn't do much else, less than, a, less than one assist, less than a steal, less than a block. But he was a guy who won McDonald's All-American MVP, he won the Jordan Brand Classic MVP, he came into college as a hotter prospect than Zion Williamson, a hotter prospect than R.J. Barrett, who, if you will, can remember all the way back to the fall of this year. Barrett was supposedly the number one pick in the draft. He ended up dropping all the way down to three. Zion was considered a very, very, very good prospect, but not the consensus number one that he turned into by the end of his college career. And I'm telling you, heading into their collegiate seasons, Nazir Little was supposedly as good as those guys, if not better than them. It just never came to fruition. And so... Even heading into draft night, though, it wasn't like he was—he had really fallen off. I think he was, a lot of project, people projected him as like a late lottery pick. You know, you saw him as in the mock drafts I looked at, you know, as high as 10. 
but but as deep as 17 in, in a handful of them. So it was it was a reasonable bet that he was one of the guys who was talented enough but would slide. But he ended up sliding all the way from you know a teens type pick to 25th, and the Blazers did not uh, did not pass up on him because he he does a, a variety of things for them. He fills a position of need. They need better wings. That answers at least some of their positional problems. You know, he's six six, but he's lo- he's he's big. He's like a he's NBA frame, probably like two twenty five ish. But he has seven one wingspan. Like he's he's big. He he played a lot of power forward in in college. I think in certain lineups he he could project as a four in the league. But he's probably a three even with without being a shooter. Uh, there are reports Sam Vecini and a couple guys uh, Mike Schmidt Mike Schmitz the ESPN guy who came over from Draft Express. He really knows his stuff. I like his stuff. I should learn his last name. But both those guys have reported. I've read. Uh, and they're reporting that he's shot a lot better in workouts. Now, shooting well in workouts is a very Darko Milicic scouting report type thing, so I don't put a whole lot of weight to that. But I think with a more spaced floor, conceivably he could get more open shots when he's the fifth best player on the floor. And maybe standstill threes are what he's better at. He, he didn't take a ton, um, but he, he was not a good shooter. His other... I guess I'll go weaknesses first because that's the kind of guy I am. I would say the biggest weaknesses for Nazir when he was first starting out in the league, and I'll call him I'll call him little um, because I don't know him personally, even though I feel like I do because that, like I said, that's the type of fan I am. But uh, for his game, his biggest weaknesses were just decision making with the ball. A lot of times he would just decide I'm going to the rim. Uh, and the problem with his decision I'm going to the rim is that he's not a super creative ball handler. Now if he gets a guy and can make one step and maybe one or two dribbles, like a straight line attack move. He was dunking on people and getting on highlights. Like you watch his highlights. They're not long dribble moves. He scored a ton in transition. Carolina runs like hell. Um, and, and he was great when they got out and ran. Uh, but in the half court, he really scored better when he got a little bit of space and could attack quick one, one dribble, two dribble moves. When he had to dribble the ball a lot, couple his big loopy kind of crossover with his long arms, uh, he just he would turn the ball over. He's not a natural passer. Like he he just doesn't see the ball that well. And, and he's not much of a shooter, so guys could play off him. But he did have a real physical advantage. Uh, the other reason why he didn't play early at Carolina, why his particularly early in the season, why his minutes were way down, is because he really struggled as an off-ball defender, like as a scheme defender. He actually throughout the year he kind of used his physical gifts to become a really good on-ball defender. Uh, particularly there was the second meeting with Duke. Was that when Zion was back? The, I, I believe it was the second. Could have been the third meeting with Duke. But when it, whenever Zion was healthy and they met Duke, uh, you know, he defended really well in that game because when the ball's in front of him, he can use his sort of physical gifts to be a good defender. He's a really good athlete. He's strong. He's quick. He's all those things. But he, was, he really struggled as a team defender. Uh, he would just get lost off the ball or he wouldn't rotate and he would just get yanked out of the game early on. He just, particularly early in the season, uh, like pre-ACC play, the pre-conference play in that uh, October to December, October to Christmas run of college basketball, he didn't play a ton because he couldn't defend. And Roy Williams, Coach Carolina, just said, sorry, dude, we we want people who are smarter defenders. Uh, the guy in front of him who played center for Carolina was the Carolina's best defensive player. Another reason why I think the myth of him like losing out in the starting spot uh, doesn't make sense. 
or doesn't sort of doesn't fit true to the roster. If if he did start, that Carolina was sacrificing their best defender or their best outside shooting big, or you know, it's there were a lot of different things. So those are the negatives. Not a great ball handler, not a great passer. Struggled as a sort of concept defender, as like a as a guy who needs to pay attention and be a help defender, team defender. But what is he good at? Well, he's NBA size right now. He's like an NBA size small forward. He might be a little a little short at 6'6", but he's, like I said, he's long and he's got a frame, an NBA frame right now as a teenager. He's also just a great athlete. He was so good. Like I mentioned, he was so good in transition. If they, if, if you get him in the open floor, he's a handful. You get him coming downhill, he can get to the rim. He can finish, th- he can finish through traffic. He had a couple dunks in the NCAA tournament, usually the, ty- the type of time when uh, ca- casual basketball fans watch him. He had a couple big games in the NCAA tournament. The opening weekend, I think he had, I think he had four, 38 points in two games, 20 and 18 off the bench. Just monster games. And he's a really good offensive rebounder. Carolina is a team, the, the things they do is they run and they get off in, offensive rebounds. He was, he was a really good offensive rebounder. One of his best highlights from college is, is catching a uh, Cam Johnson missed pull-up jumper and dunking it. A huge dunk. Set it up with two hands. Good offensive rebounder, great instincts around the rim with that type of stuff. It's why I think he can improve. Because he does have sort of natural instincts and a lot of athletic ability. Those are the type of things that help young guys make it in the league when they sort of have natural gifts that they can already do things. I went a little bit long in this segment, so I'm going to take a quick break and... uh, come back in the second segment and talk about where I think Nas Little fits and a little about the NBA draft after watching a very long draft segment this this evening. But before I do that, I want to remind you guys that you can, every time you get in your car, tell your smart speaker, smart device in your car, play podcast Lockdown Blazers. Make it a part of your, day, your daily routine. If you have a daily commute or if you're just driving around town, remember when you get in your car, tell your smart device, play podcast Lockdown Blazers. All right, so I went a little a little longer than normally in that first segment because I'm talking about something I know about. A college basketball player I know about. This was a, a limited research podcast when I was worried that I was going to have to learn a lot about a draft pick in short order to share with you guys tonight. But luckily, Blazers did me a solid. Now, I talked a little bit, a little bit about position of need for the Blazers. I think Nas is it's probably a small forward in the league, although in there are spots when he can definitely play power forward. More and more teams, particularly in second units, have smaller type power forwards. And I think he's strong enough and a good enough rebounder that he can make up for some of that size against a lot of second unit fours. I think he has the potential to be like a somewhat of a versatile defender, a switchy defender as he gets better. He's got a long way to go on that end, but he has the tools to do that. But a long way to go is what I want to touch on right here. The Blazers have a pretty strong track record over the past four or so seasons of not rushing young guys into the spot. Even a guy like Zach Collins, who they took 10th overall and ended up playing a fairly significant role in the playoffs by the end of his first season, he had to sit and wait a lot. He didn't play a ton in the first half of the season. He, they took it really, really slow with him. 
but he's not the only guy to follow that path. Uh, obviously, a lot of second-round picks the Blazers have, have taken have followed that path. Alan Crabb, Jake Lehman, Pat Connaughton where they're really patient and let guys develop behind the scenes. They really believe strongly that they can put guys in their system, bring them bring them in, develop their skills, develop their understanding of the NBA game, and then, once they're a little more seasoned behind the scenes, then give them a real role and let them play. But also, just in general, with first-round picks, they haven't had a ton um, over the past few years. They've, they've traded them away or whatever, but... Uh, Anthony Simons, last season, basically did not play. Uh, they they drafted him as a 19-year-old. They knew what it was going to be. No one was confused about, about what it was going to be. But Gary Trent, the same way, a second-round pick that they will wait on and hope seasons behind the scene. And I don't think the Blazers necessarily, although they do have a weakness at small forward. Mo Harkless is under contract. Evan Turner is under contract. Jake Lehman could come back on the cheap if they want him. Conceivably, they could play three guards with Amphrey Simons, although I think that's unlikely. Uh, you know, they can use limited cap space to sign veterans. They don't need to rush Nazir Little along. And I think that has real value at this pick because you're able to draft at a position of need, but not at a position, but not at a, a spot where you absolutely have to throw this guy into the fire and he's so crucial for whether you're going to win or lose. I think that's a real positive for him. I think it's a real positive for the team. If he can play, great. You let him play, a la Zach Collins. If he can't play, the franchise's sort of M.O. is to be patient. It's what they've naturally done. It's what they naturally believe in. It's kind of their, um, like I said, it's their M.O. That's It's their process. So if Nas does take a little while to get going, I said I'd stop calling by his first name, but too late, uh, if Nasir does take a little while to get going, it's, it, it probably won't be detrimental. The Blazers still have the core of a 50-win team intact. But if he does wow in Summer League and they want to roll him out there, it's just a huge bonus. And it, at 25, you don't think you're going to get necessarily a rotation-type player. So this is a fairly low-risk pick. And it could turn out to be a pretty high reward considering where, just a year ago, most of the NBA intelligentsia thought this guy would be. So, segment in a segment, we're going to transition without going to any commercials. Here's a gift for you guys. I have very brief thoughts on how to fix the NBA draft. One, get rid of the hats. Got to get rid of the hats. The hats are confusing because a lot of times, like... With the early picks tonight, that pick has already been traded from the Lakers to the Pelicans to the Hawks. We know that DeAndre Hunter is is a Hawk, and he's putting on a Lakers hat. Get rid of the hats. Get rid of the hats. The pictures are less weird. Everything makes more sense without the hats. That's, that is solution number one. Solution number two, instead of five minutes in between picks, give them four minutes. NBA GMs have been talking on the phone all bleeping week. They don't need that extra 60 seconds. Deadline, spur, actions, give them four minutes. You cut four minutes off every pick, boom. That's a half hour off the show. That's magic. Mike Richmond solved your long television program. And three, and I don't know if they're going to do this, and I understand that Twitter is a really niche thing, but let your reporters report. Adrian Wojnarowski on the ESPN broadcast is, is three picks ahead of TV. Now, the majority of America, 90% of America, is not following Woj on Twitter. It is a very niche thing. 
that likely many of my listeners follow fairly regularly. But you guys are weird. I'm weird. We're on Twitter. We're the weird ones, not everyone else. But let Woj report. If he knows a trade is coming, don't act like it's a surprise. If he knows a pick is coming, don't act like it's a surprise. You already have the B-roll lined up. You already have little features on stuff lined up. If you need more people to talk about NBA players, you have them already on the payroll. You're ESPN. Let reporters report. That's step three. Just do it in real time. People might be, the, the average viewer might be confused about how, like Twitter. They might not use Twitter, but no one's confused about information. If they would receive information a little bit ahead of time, everyone watching would understand what you're saying. You're not going to confuse the viewer by giving them information. You're going to just give them more information, and that's, um, that's better. It's a better broadcast. So, to recap, the solution, my platform, 2020, get rid of the hats. They don't make sense. Take an hour or take a minute off first-round picks f- from five down to four. And number three, let reporters report. Let them do it in real time. That's it. That's the solution to the draft. That fixes everything. Well, it might not fix everything, but at least makes uh, a unnecessarily long process a little bit quicker. And thus, a little bit more fun, particularly for the East Coast viewers, because the dang thing lasts until midnight. All right, off my soapbox. When we get back, I am going to tell you about the bizarro Blazer news that happened in the middle of the draft, and it involved Damian Lillard and rap music. Because you come at the king, you best not miss. Stick with me. All right, welcome back. So in the middle of the first round, kind of right outside the lottery, Damian Lillard tweets out a SoundCloud link. A link to a rap beef. My man has beef. And here's a little background. Marvin Bagley went on ESPN's first take television program, and he said while talking uh, with Max Kellerman and Stephen A. Smith that he was the best rapper in the league and specifically mentioned, I'm a better rapper than Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard said something on Twitter like, I'm not going to go on first take, but if he wants to you know, test me, go ahead and shoot. So this morning, Thursday morning, Marvin Bagley, King's rookie, sent out his rap song where he, I don't know if he really came at Damian Lillard. It wasn't super aggressive, but he kind of said, I'm the best at this. Um, The type of braggadocious rap things that you would expect from a rap song. So what did Damian Lillard do? Well, my man got his workout in in the morning. Then he went into the studio and he did this. And a brief warning, there are some minor swears on here, so this is not safe for work. Be cool. I'm going to play you the song in its entirety. It's two minutes, and uh, the punchlines are probably worth it, in my opinion. Here you go. This boy didn't call my name. (laughs) Amateur bars, man. Grown man bars is something you got to deal with. So all that elaborated, fabricated, ain't going to equal up. To this real shit. The things we do for the glitz and the glamorous. Follow backs and like pics from your camera. Was about to pass cause you still in a pamper, bruh. And I never seen Floyd spar with amateurs. So this the one and only time I'm picking up the phone. I'm the type to keep receipts and to be left alone. I was raised to always keep the family feuds at home. On the set, I'm about to teach you how to set the tone. Where I'm from, big bank, take little bank. 
I'm a couple hundred mil, this a field day. Don't respect it, it's not an issue to check it. Never really competed, but you boys getting reckless, uh. I can tell this wasn't really what you wanted, though. Should've DM'd me again, what you wanna know? Say I'm lying, I put it out for the public. Asking about my third album before the second was published. You a fan, put respect on my name and get disrespected. You a second, I'm from Oakland, a minute from getting hectic. Praying with an E and you gon' get your blessing. Your mouth done wrote a check that overdrew your checking. Look, I'm really solid like I say, so why you come for me? I got respect in both careers moving comfortably. You ain't established in the league for one. You got potential, but this rapping is a breeze at lunch. It's easy. You a clown, so go and enjoy the circus. Knee deep in the game and you barely scratching the surface. My car dressing black whenever making the purchase. How a king come to battle, knowing the kingdom worthless, nigga. Stop playing with me, man. You boys is babies. I feel like maybe this is uh, really specific to my interest as someone who loves uh, hip-hop and hilarious rap beefs, but it is nonetheless both of those things, so I wanted to share it with y'all. Some really great lines, in case you didn't hear it. Go back and listen to it again. It's also on Dame SoundCloud, but I wanted to bring it to you here so I didn't have to point you anywhere else. But uh, he says, early on in the song, What's about to pass because you're still in pampers, bruh. I never seen Floyd spar with amateurs. Amateurs. He also says, you a clown, so go enjoy the circus. And another great line, how a king come to battle knowing his kingdom worthless? Some incredible punchlines. I, I should say on the record, I've, I haven't always, I'm, I'm someone who listens to a ton of hip-hop, but I haven't always been a big fan of Dame's records. Uh, I think the second album was a lot sharper than the first one, but I don't think he's like the super good rapper. He's definitely a fantastic rapper for someone who is also one of the five to 10 best basketball players in the world. But like he's not, I I don't listen to his album. But I think this was incisive and angry and it also is such an insight into Damian Lillard's personality. He really, really hates to be questioned. He really hates when you come for his sort of, when you come for, like the way he would describe it is when you're talking reckless. If you, if you challenge him and speak down on his name, he will come for you. This rap song was the equivalent of how he approached that first round against Russell Westbrook. This was the sort of that anger from Dame, that very specific focus on how dare you say you're better than me. And I found it really amusing and I thought it was a pretty good song. Uh, Marvin Bagley's song, you can check it out. It's on his Twitter page. I will say... F- if nothing else, he switches up how he raps more times than Dame does. Uh, the song's a little more hectic, a little more chaotic. Um, he's significantly younger than Damian Lillard, and the rap music kind of reflects the less professional approach he takes. Dame has made two studio albums. Apparently a third one is on the way this summer. But yeah, wow. Wow. Uh, the NBA is just a wonderful place where in the middle of the you know, an extremely important night. The second biggest story can be a star point guard rapping angrily at one of the better rookies in the league. It's just a great sport. It's a great league. 
I guess the, the criticism of the league is that it's uh, more fun off the court than it is on. Well, my rebuttal would be it is extremely fun off the court, so I'll take it. I appreciate you guys listening. Tell your friends about Lockdown Blazers. They can find it wherever they get podcasts. The offseason is just beginning. Draft is step one. We got a really exciting 10 days. Before free agency starts, there's probably going to be a handful more trades as teams maneuver to get cap space. There's going to be all types of rumors floating around and this and that. So yeah, tell your friends about Lockdown Blazers. I'll be here. Appreciate you guys listening. Talk to you soon.